Hello and welcome to another Toronto Till I Die podcast, the TFC fan podcast. Well, TFC returned to the field and finally kicked a ball in anger in 2023, uh, but no one saw it. Uh, the teams agreed never to discuss it. So did it really actually happen? Normally we talk about that, but of course we still got a show to run. So we've got some other things to bring up as well. Uh, on today's show, we'll be talking about the scrapping of the allocation order. What does it all mean? Does TFC benefit? Will he come back? And by he, of course, I mean Agarokeche. Um, you've all been wondering, you've all been waiting. Um, so this is your mechanism to bring it back. Uh, no, uh, we're also going to be talking about some positives ahead of the 2023 season. It feels like we've been on a downer as fans in the last couple of months. So let's try to be positive. Let's see what's what's going to make us uh, happy in 2023. Um, we got all those signing updates. Uh, we'll do some of that. And of course, we will go into the burning questions segment. But uh, this week, we are going to flip it and we ask you a question about the proposed 2023 home kit and a lot of you don't like it but there are some of you that do so we'll talk about that all on today's show um joined as always with my co-host michael saying mike man how you doing i'm good man happy to to be back here and appreciate everybody adjusting with us as we change the times of this live show it seems like every single week but we appreciate your flexibility and man set it's it's monday evening don't you guys have anything better to do than than listen to us and watch us talk about toronto fc come on no man come on the, the big fight time <laughs> that was yesterday last of us man everybody's got mouth tendrils and, and yeah, everyone's talking about that show is it worth it yeah, what do you mean? What you haven't watched? I haven't. It? I haven't yet. Oh, bro, no. come on! What are you on about? I've been watching you Your Honor on on Crave, but I haven't. I haven't jumped into that. So it's based off the video game, right? Yeah. Have you played the games? I haven't. Oh, oh! I don't know which one you should. I start with the show because, like, the game you can always go back to and and play the game. I feel like the show is. Going and I considered to... myself a bit of a gamer too. So the fact yeah, that I haven't played this game. Really know, disappointing. It's, it's like it was game of the year, both part one and part two games of the year, like hands down each year came out. So uh, you should get on that. But um, you don't want to talk about mouth tendrils or, um, you know, uh, fungus uh, infections that cordyceps fungus that will uh, kill us all. Um, but we do want to <laughs> talk a little uh, TFC. Um, before we do that, though, um, I do want to bring up um, for all of you out there, some of you out there are Bills fans. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, some of you are Bills fans. I'm commiserating with you. I'm not really an NFL guy, um, but I'm commiserating with the Bills fans out there. That was a tough one uh, to watch your. your wow, you had to you had to remind people, eh? Well, I had to make other people feel bad because United lost Arsenal. Um, I, we don't need to talk about yeah, that. Gotta, I had to mask my pain don't with other people's pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Wait, uh, let's Mike, get into. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Are Arsenal going to win the Premier League? Ooh, are Arsenal going to win the Premier League? No. I, I do think City still have some. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just so hard now to actually say City aren't going to come back. And I know it, it was weird, too, because for like a th two, three-week period, everybody, um, you know, was on City. Like, ooh, have they slipped? Have they fallen off? You know? Like, ha has a goal-scoring robot lost his form, and is he the problem? And then he scores a hat-trick, and then you're you're fine, right? So from, from that perspective, um, I mean, they still have to play, you know, Arsenal still have to play City twice, right? Twice. Yeah. yeah. So so that's still coming, and, and you, I just can't write him off. I can't write him off quite yet. It's January. It's a little too early to write City off, but, I mean, look, Arsenal are playing the best football in the Premier League. That's by far, and... You know, as, as, as much as United kept that game pretty close uh, in terms of the scoreline, like, let's be real, like Arsenal were, they were next sort of head level up uh, on United. But if you are a United fan, the good news is that the Ten Hog project is starting to bear some fruit, probably a little earlier than anybody expected, um, which is a good thing. And he's turned Marcus, he's turned Marcus Rashford completely around, which is great to see because Marcus Rashford is just an awesome human to begin with. Yeah, I know, and I've been doubting Arsenal all season. I've been saying the same thing you were, but that match over the weekend made me, unfortunately, made me sort of believe that Arsenal may indeed go on here and win the Premier League. But 
Jeff's not here, so we don't need to compliment Arsenal <laughs> yeah. too, yeah, too that's, much. That's the car, uh, Arsenal compliment segment done. Uh, congratulations, Jeff. You got it on the show. Jeez. Uh, what we Hold got? on. We got some hate over here, Nico. Oh, Nico, Nico, mixing a smile, buddy. I know. Well, It's hey, Monday evening. Well, you know, uh, the beef, <laughs> beef is eternal, man. Beef has, has no, uh, no sleep time, no rest time. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the TFC talk here. Um, we got some news, uh, not necessarily the news I think you all wanted. You were hoping Sean Johnson or we'd get at least a Norwegian center back or something like that. But we got some other kind of interesting MLSE news, which I know a lot of you hate MLS roster rules and how they are run and administered throughout the league. But, you know, we're nerds and we find them interesting. Um, and the allocation order has been scrapped suddenly um, by the league. And it's an interesting one because I think a lot of people have been waiting for this to, or at least a shoe to drop in terms of dropping the allocation order. Um, there, but it just drops all of a sudden. And, you know, you made a good point, I think, on Twitter. I think you, you had tweeted this out, Mike, that it actually might hurt TFC. Can you maybe just go into a little bit of like how this, how this kind of might not benefit uh, the Reds? <laughs> Oh, yes. The good stuff. What everyone tuned in yep. to hear about Absolutely. is us talking about the allocation order. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a uh, I, I look back at what sort of FC Cincinnati did last year, right? In the allocation order. And that was the fact that they held the number one spot for essentially the entire season. And what they kept on doing is they kept forcing teams to to trade up to the number two spot and then trade allocation money to FC Cincinnati for that number one spot and select whatever player they had to select. Um, and then FC Cincinnati would just go reclaim that number one spot because they were number two in the order. So they kept on repeating that process until literally the very last second, and they took their own player on the allocation order, which was uh, Matt Miazga. So the way that they sort of manipulated that system last season was was pretty funny. Um, I don't know if we've seen many teams do it in the fashion that FC Cincinnati did, and this year, TFC were in a position to do something similar, uh, holding that, I believe, number two or number three in the allocation order. I think it was and two. obviously with obviously, yeah. So with it going away uh, this year, it inconveniences uh, TFC, who got a pretty decent sum in, in a similar position last year when they traded down to the Red Bulls. Uh, I believe they got maybe an international roster spot and maybe, or they traded away an international roster spot and got maybe four or 500 K in allocation money to move down. So yeah, it's not nothing. Um, so I saw somebody reply to, to that tweet that I had and said, short term, this is probably bad news for TFC, but long term, it probably benefits them a little bit more because they seem like the type of club that would be ambitious and go after players who, uh, were sold for I believe over a million dollars is the the threshold to be to find yourself on the allocation order. So, yeah, I think for the league overall, Mike, it, it's really good. Um, I don't have to sit down and explain to people what the allocation order is. I don't have to tweet about the allocation order anymore. Uh, if you want to grow the league, get rid of funky mechanisms like this that just make it difficult for people who are new to MLS to sort of understand the league so i think it's a win for the league overall uh just maybe this season doesn't really benefit tfc too too much yeah i would uh, i would agree with uh, that person that replied to your tweet that it long term it is good for the league short term i mean the fact that you know tfc and other teams are not going to get um pot you know aren't really going to get any kind of benefit out of it they're not getting you know any kind of compensation for being that high up in the allocation order um it, it's kind of funny but you know in the long run it would give a team like tfc um an opportunity like you said to go after bigger names that are out there that have left the league and maybe want to come back um i know a lot of you when this got dropped all of a sudden started all the seven memes came back all <laughs> the all your interview got retweeted again um you know i don't think anything's changed unless you have some kind of news for us sebastian javinko is still not coming back to toronto fc even with the allocation order um being dropped correct 
right? I'm not, I'm not. That, that's <laughs> correct. Like I said, I, I think in, in the video that I had, it allocation order wasn't the issue. I'm sure it was a little bit of a speed bump if they wanted to bring him back, but it wasn't the issue uh, in terms of this team deciding that they didn't want Seba back. So I don't think anything is going to change on that front, but maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong because I think the, uh, what is it, the romantic in me wants to see that Sebastian Javinko Toronto FC reunion. I mean, come on, as a fan base who, I mean, there's not a lot of people. I, I'm sure there's a small faction of TSC fans that are just like, yeah, 2017 was so long ago. Seba hasn't played in so long. Um, but I think yeah, the majority of TFC fans would that's want that's me. That section is me. <laughs> like, yeah, so, I said small section, right? I, I did. <laughs> I did make that clear. You did make that clear. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not gonna go on the whole several rant. Like, I, I get it, right. Like, it's kind of like Marvel movies and fan service, right? If you bring Seba back, mm. fan service. Um, but I, I think the the sort of broader implications um, are are interesting because it does. I, I wonder because for things like you know um discovery rights haven't been dropped oh my god so so i called it <laughs> right that still hasn't been dropped so it's it's like another version of the allocation order in a weird way um but i, think I don't know that... if anyone sorry mike i don't know if anyone in the chat or you can explain this to me why do discovery rights exist Give me like a a, a reason. Okay. At least. Try to explain it. That you can like, justify it in, in any okay. way. I can't justify it. The reason it exists from my understanding was that it, it in the original sort of setup of the league, the idea was that you didn't want the New Yorks and the LA's, the bigger markets to be able to snatch up like really big international stars. Like it, they could sign all the big international stars and maybe Kansas City and smaller markets without the ability to sign these stars. So the okay. idea was that, you know, you allow teams to put discovery rights on players. And if they decide to come to the league ever, then you can, you have the first right, you have dibs. Basically, it's basically the grown up professional sports version of dibs. And you call <laughs> dibs on a player. And if they come to the league, if you ever get to play, you can either get to sign them or you have to trade his rights away and get some kind of asset. So like in a way, it's it's kind of like a forced internal transfer system for players that may never actually play in the league. So it, it's a weird system. It's dumb. It should be scrapped, but it hasn't yet. And in a way, that's still kind of like a weird allocation order in itself. Um, but I mean, look, in the end of the day, I think it's going to go the way of the Dodo as well, um, uh, down the road, but for TFC, I think what's really cool about this is again, when you start thinking about pieces that you need to fill on this team, and I don't think it, it may not happen this year. It may, it may happen next year, but it does allow a little bit more flexibility for TFC to go out and get players that have been in the league, have experience, maybe went to Europe. And maybe it didn't work out or maybe it did, but they want to come back to MLS. You know, it becomes a little bit more of a freer market for uh, for teams to go out and sign players. And mm -hmm. given sort of where the roster is right now with TFC, now the allocation is ordered, maybe it frees Bob Bradley's hands a little bit more to, well, to go out and make signings. There's one name on that list in particular. I mean, it's a long list at this point. Uh, not that long, but still a long list. One name in particular that stands out to me is a guy like Brian Reynolds. Mm. Um, there was a report, I believe, way early in the, the offseason that yeah. he could be a guy that Toronto FC are looking at. And just, I'm not reporting anything, just thinking about where he fits and what this team's need is. Uh, that could be a guy that potentially checks certain boxes for Toronto FC. And that's a guy who was on the allocation order. So maybe, as you're pointing to, maybe that opens up the the potential of TFC going out and signing a guy like, like Brian Reynolds, right? So that is an advantage to Toronto in that essence and an advantage maybe to to sort of the rest of the league um, as a whole. Here's a, here's a quick trivia for you just off the top of your head i'm going to give you seven seconds to answer this oh, question okay who was the last player toronto fc used the allocation order on one richie two ah that was really quick man that wasn't a tough one <laughs> yeah okay what about before richie 
Who is the last oh. player Toronto FC used the allocation order on? Uh, Salcedo? Two, three. It might have been Salcedo. I think it's Salcedo because he left the league for more than a million, I'm pretty sure. So they had to use allocation to get him. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great pull. I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Pull. I'm not, I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Because basically, like, so for those who don't understand, like the allocation order isn't like a set amount of time and then it dissipates. Like it's forever. Up. Right. So like if you go and play in Europe for like 10 years and then decide to come back to the MLS, you would still be subject to allocation if you were sold for more than a million dollars. Um, so that, that I mean, thank you that it's gone. It's great that it's no longer a part of the league and it's not something that we have to worry about anymore. Um, but, you know, it, it, at the same time, you, you talk about Brian Reynolds, I mean, you know, in this iteration, they allowed St. Louis City, who had the number one pick because they were um, an expansion team. They put, um, I guess, allocation slash dibs on Josh Sargent, uh, who is not coming back to MLS, MLS anytime soon, um, as far as I know. So basically, everybody that's now on the allocation list is available to sign at will, uh, as, as far as I understand it. So good thing for TFC in that regard. Obviously, not so great that they lose the number two spot, but really in the end of the day, it probably saves them from having to use GAM or making a trade in order to get to the number one spot. So in a lot of ways, actually, this could end up being a, a win um, for the club. Okay, I am going to I am going to allow uh, a couple more minutes on Seba because, again, people are going to keep asking, does it make sense at this point now that this sort of as you said minor speed bump has gone over has now gone does it make sense for tfc to bring him even if it's on trial and see if he's got anything what do you think mike uh my perspective of things would be yes it makes sense the team's perspective of things is probably not again like i, I don't know if we need to to keep going back and forth on on the Sebastian Javinko topic. Obviously, it's a pretty slow news week right now for Toronto FC yeah. if we're continuing <laughs> to bring this back up. But I understand it with the allocation order gone. A lot of people thought that was the barrier keeping Sebastian Javinko away from Toronto FC, just the co overall cost of acquisition. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think there's any any chance that really happens. Perfect. Kill the dead, love it. Let's never talk about it again. He can keep posting on Instagram. He's out in Oakville doing his thing. Um, but uh, as he actually doesn't live in Oakville. No, funny enough. Oakville. No, you know, no. I think he's Yorkville actually. He was always posting in Oakville. Maybe he's just got people out in Oakville. Yeah, um, I think that's that's what yeah, it is. Fair enough. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, no sepa. So there you go. Um, let's move on in terms of okay. Let's talk a little bit about some positives uh, with TFC because I think that. You know, we have been, we, we've brought, mentioned it on the show, pace of signings may not be to everyone's liking right now. Um, we know there's more coming. It's just, when is it coming? And I, I feel, I can feel the impatience growing out in TFC live land. And I get it. Like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. I completely understand it. I'm a little concerned about the pace of signings. Um, but I think there were a lot of, there are positives uh, going into the 2023 season. And I think, you know, you've mentioned it before that the club from a talent perspective is probably way ahead of where it was last year. Would you agree to some extent about that? Sorry, one more time. It's in terms of talent, um, overall talent on the team. Like Oh yeah. Like in terms of framework and yeah and what needs to be done as opposed to what's left. Yeah, 100%, right? Because this time last season, we had essentially no designated players aside from Alejandro Pozuelo. Um, that around this time was when the team added Carlos Salcedo and sort of that transfer swap deal for Jefferson Soteldo. So, and I've said this all along, like timing-wise in terms of signings in Major League Soccer, this is not abnormal at all. And I'm trying to figure out, I guess why it seems like there's more of an urgency this off season as opposed to other off seasons. Cause it feels like this off season fans are a lot more impatient, a lot more antsy, a lot more 
on the edge of the seat, I guess, waiting for stuff to happen as opposed to other off season. A lot more frustrated, I guess, is the the overall word I'd I'd use there. And I'm wondering if that's because expectations have been raised and we know there's a window for this team to capitalize on Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi's timeline here with the club. I wonder if that's maybe the reason, but it does feel like there's been a, a sense of urgency that's been been lifted here within the fan base. Um, I'm not sure if you're getting that same sort of vibe. Is this doesn't this feel different than than other years? A hundred percent, like a hundred percent. I think it is, and and I think it's some of it's. And look, I think it's some of it's warranted, right? Like I think in the past, For sure. when we've had these holes that need to be filled, they tend to get get filled relatively early in the transfer window or in the off season. Let's say, um, sort of in December early January time, you start filling those holes. And then yes, okay, you get like the additional piece maybe in February, just as the season's about to start. So from that perspective, I get why fans are a little antsy because, you know, we know we have a lot of holes to fill, right? I don't think we've gone into, other than maybe last season, we've gone into a preseason with this many glaring holes to fill. Right. Normally there's like one or two you're trying to shore up some roles here and there. But generally speaking, you're not looking for a starting goalkeeper and a starting left back <laughs> and another forward and maybe another midfielder. Right. Like generally speaking, it's one or two pieces you're trying to fill, not three or four. And I think that's that in two seasons of, you know, being poor. Right. will also do it to a fan base that is kind of now used to being competitive and being in the playoff mix and being one of those teams that's talked about as a potential cup contender. And it feels like the club is a long way away from that. But that said, I think that the the reason to be positive is one, those moves are going to come. And with Federico and Insigne, and you have at least half a season with Richie Larea and you still have Oso on the team, and you have improved with Mark Anthony K, and you will have a fully fit Mark Anthony K um, to start the season. I mean, right now, I, I you could be and, and and forget you got Matt Hedges too, right? We did get a, a, a top quality starting center back um, in free agency. There should be some positivity in terms of the starting eleven and what it could potentially do. I understand maybe the depth after that 11 could be in question a little bit, but uh, you know, in most games, as long as that 11 can stay relatively fit, I think it should be in, uh, in a lot of games, right? Not getting blown out, not looking as kind of lost as they did at times last season. Yeah. I've said this earlier too. And just having a Mark Anthony K back and healthy, having Osorio back and healthy, those two are additions on its own. Right. And you look at their starting 11 last year when they were on the pitch together, they looked really good. And obviously you had Insigne and Bernadeschi going through some things last season that hopefully is just water under the bridge. At this point, they get a full preseason under the belt and, you know, they're back motivated and, and ready to go. Right. This is a, a good starting level. When you look at their their best players and their 11, you match that up against most 11s in the league you're feeling pretty confident about Toronto FC's chances, right? Even a guy like Richie Larea, you can tell down the stretch, looked kind of burnt out uh, heading into that World Cup, and then hopefully that World Cup sort of rejuvenates him. So, yeah, I think it's... I think starting 11-wise, uh, TFC fans are going to be content with what it ends up being. Um, I'm with you, though. What's, what's behind the starting 11, especially with more fixtures on the horizon now, right? You have League's Cup during the middle of the season. You have a congested schedule between, what, February and and July, and then after that as well, right? You're going to need all hands on deck. You're going to need, likely, a lot of roster rotation at times, and can TFC sustain that? I guess we'll see. We'll see what what other moves that they do decide to bring in, but... The framework at least is there if we're looking at this from from a positive perspective with this club. For sure. And I think another positive um, with this team is it will be another full offseason with Bob Bradley with generally what you can call the core of the current team. Uh, you know, I, I think there's still some, you know, one or two pieces still left to fit in that core. 
that are that are going to be signings. But generally speaking, he's now going to have sort of his vision of what he wants the team to look like on the pitch. And another full pre, I mean, look, they're going to essentially spend this entire month training and they're probably playing more closed door friendlies that we don't know about. Um, so from that perspective, they're going to have a little bit more time to adopt his ideas and what he wants to see on the pitch. And I feel like that can only be a benefit to the players and, and to, especially, especially the young players. Like I know we're talking about the 11 and they're going to be, I think, fine for the most part. We keep talking about what's after that 11 and a lot of them are still going to be, unless they're sold, obviously, a Jaden Nelson, a Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, an Io Akinola, you know, a Kosi Thompson. They're still in the mix and are still going to play roles on this team. And I think another full off season now with the mostly assembled squad um, is going to only benefit um, those players going forward as they mature and get better. I, I, again, as much as, you know, it really sort of, it, it, it kind of hurt to watch the young players struggle last year, right? Because they got a shot and they struggled in a lot of ways. They also showed moments of playing really well uh, as well. I don't think we should forget that. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to remember they're still young and they're still developing as professionals. And for most of them last year was their first full professional season. So you can only think that they are going to start to get better as they get more minutes, as they get more comfortable um, in the, in the form, in the system and in the formation that Bob Bradley wants. I'm smiling. Cause you know, you know, I love talking about the kids and you know, I love pumping up the kids and you're right. And I think access of access of evil, uh honestly regular on our youtube page we gotta mm -hmm. give them a little shout out there we appreciate Absolutely. the comments coming and we see all your comments by the way keep them coming um access says playing the kids last year should be the answer to the depth question nelson cozy thompson deandre kerr jaquil marshall off the bench is good depth to me especially with fresh fresh legs late in games yeah you know in a perfect world that is absolutely the case um selfishly I would love to see Jaden Nelson still here with Toronto FC. We'll see if if that is the case by the end of February. We'll see if that's the case. Same with, with Jaquiel, right? That All things are sort of on the table there, but I think it's less likely that a guy like Jaquiel moves than, than a guy like Jaden. Now... Jeff is Jeff bangs this drum all the time and he wonders how good are the kids actually are they good enough to now step into these sort of important depth roles last year we said it all all the time Toronto FC's playing with house money right you can throw the kids out there if they lose they lose they win they win it's about developing these kids you're developing these kids for not only to go on and do bigger and better things but you're developing these kids for moments like like now where they have to step in and play important roles for this team so you know we saw a couple of the kids that toronto fc decided to move on from last season whether it be to improve the team like a ralph preso um or maybe they just thought there was better opportunities elsewhere and guys like jacob schaffelberg and and luca petrasso so the kids that are still around, I guess, are, are kids that Bob Bradley and the coaching staff sees as potential guys who can either have a future here at Toronto FC or, or make an impact this year at the club is the way that I see it. So the, that group that Axis of Evil specifically mentioned, they're all guys who I thought had really positive seasons, except for Jaquiel Marcioretti. But then you also have to remember, Jaquiel is a guy who's literally still growing. Yes. Like he is like physically like still, still like grown. getting taller and people forget that so, so quickly. He's still so young. Um, but if we want to just talk about Jaquiel a little bit from. It's a, it's an interesting one because at the end of last season, Bob said he didn't really know what Jaquiel's best position was. Right. And out of necessity, they sort of played him at right back. But then when Richie arrived at the club, there was no real opportunity for him to, to get meaningful minutes and consistent playing time. I don't know if, from what we saw last year, um, 
he had shown flashes in the first part of the season that he could step up into that role and potentially play men- play meaningful minutes. But the second half of the season, he didn't look like it. He didn't look like he was ready uh, to be an impactful MLS player. Now you have a full off season, you get bigger, you get stronger, maybe you reset your confidence a little bit. I want to know what Jaquil Marshall Ruddy. I'm really excited actually to know what Jaquil Marshall Ruddy looks like. A lot of people are. Right. And, and yeah, and I think I mean the, the second half of the season, I can I, I'm not saying it's an excuse for him. I, I could chalk it up to look, that's a probably his first major, major injury um in his career. And to come back from that and trust your body again to do the things that you know you can do on a pitch is not easy. Io Akinola talks about it um, in terms of his knee and coming back from the ACL. Um, in a lot of ways, Jaquil might have had the same. I sound like Michael Bradley when I say a lot of ways. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think that um, that could be a, a part of it, right? Is trusting your body to do the things you need to do. And obviously, when you lose time, in training and learning the position and things like that, you know, yes, you're going to be a little bit behind where you might've projected to be if you had stayed healthy the whole time. Um, Because when he was healthy and playing, he was okay. Like not perfect, obviously, um, but, but was okay. And I think that, you know, if he can stay healthy and, and play consistent minutes, when I say consistent minutes, I'm not talking about a starter's role. I'm not even talking about first player off the bench, maybe. But if he can get his consistent role where he's coming in maybe every other game and finding us a place to be impactful for the team, I think that's a positive and that's a win because I'm not, and I said this, I think last week, like I'm not one of the guys who thinks we need to start pushing these young players out the door right away. The first time we get Mm -hmm. a fee for them, right? You know, if you get the right number, then yes, of course you do the business, but if it's not the right number, then there is absolutely no need to be pushing them out the door right now. Let them continue to develop. Let them build their value if 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 that's possible. And look, if they end up being players that are really, really solid MLS guys and maybe it's not Europe for them, what's wrong with that, right? Like there's, you know, Mark Anthony Kay is a perfect example of that. Like somebody who is probably going to be an MLS lifer. And that's fine, right? Like that that's a person who's carved out an important pol- uh, role on his national team doing that. So if, if that's where it ends up being then great. You have developed a player that you don't have to go out and get in free agency or have to spend gam in a trade to get, right? You develop them internally. And that to me can only be a positive. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you. Just having that whole year under their belt uh, in terms of their development was huge last year. Let's see if they can take steps forward. Uh, With Jaquil, maybe it was even a little bit mental Mm -hmm. uh, with him going through sort of the, I mean, there's so much pressure and so much hype on, on a kid like Jaquil, obviously going to train with Arsenal and Liverpool and Club Brugge over the offseason and then starting for Toronto FC as a 17-year-old. And then he has a good start, then he suffers that that injury and he was never able to re- get his place back into the squad with a Richie Larea there. And I'm sure mentally that takes a toll on you as yeah, well, especially for a, for, a, for a kid that young with such high expectations. So maybe this will be a a really big season coming up for Jaquil Marcerotti. And after that, potentially he gets his move uh, overseas. Absolutely. I'm also going to keep an eye out for DeAndre Kerr because I actually do believe DeAndre Kerr um, I'm with you has a future because he can ball and his space is insane. Um, uh, next positive to me, uh, again, getting Matt Hedges in. I think that's a positive, right? Like in terms of the back line, you start to figure out the marshalling of what that's going to look like. It's that is probably the one piece for the team that's still really incomplete, obviously. And I think that's where a lot of people's concern is, given um, the amount of goals this team has given up in the last two years. Um, Oh, yeah. okay. I'm feeling that he's going to ball out this year. All right. I'll take that. Um, But yeah, I I think that's a that's a positive step. Now, obviously, you still need to get a left back or maybe play Richie at left back. That might end up being a thing. But, um, you know, I, I think having him there really signifies that we're going to start to really have a presence on on that back line and have somebody that can be consistently in that space to to marshal things to organize things um depending of course on who the number one is which we will get to in a second yeah matt hedges is uh 
I've, I've said this on this podcast. I think he's such an important signing. Um, I know we are keeping it positive, and this is a positive show. Vibes only. Vibes only. But is there any sort of concern from your perspective that he is on the, the decline um, and TFC are offering a lot of money for a guy like Matt Hedges? And, of course, he's an upgrade on their defense last season, but there's also a reason Dallas wasn't willing to fork up the same amount of cash. So is there any any hesitancy, I guess, from you about the Matt Hedges signing? Yeah, there is some. Uh, as you said, he is in the wrong side of 30. He's 32, I believe. Um, and, and it is a, a lot of money for a 32-year-old who has played a lot of minutes in this league, right? He's played a lot of minutes. Um, which isn't a bad thing. Which is not a bad thing, no. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm getting to. I, I think you, one, I think you had to do it, right? Like, I, I don't think Aaron Long was was going to be a realistic possibility um, for the club. I, I, I'm i sure they probably kicked the tires. They they tried. They tried, but I, I don't know if that was going to be a thing because you're probably, you know, they may have had to maybe give him, you know, DP money or something close to come here. Whereas if he goes to LA, he's fine with not taking um, that money. That's another thing to consider. But um, in terms of Matt Hedges, right? Like, I think you have to pay, you're, you're in a position where you can't really, I'm going to say be picky, but in, in this situation, you got probably the best player for what you need him to do. And I yeah. don't think you need him to be the guy chasing. If you got players running through him, you've got bigger structural problems, right? Like he has no, to keep chasing point. guys then you have bigger structural problems than Matt Hedges. So from that perspective, yes, of course, there is a little concern about him being 32. I had the same concerns about Drew Moore when he was signed. I'm not comparing him to Drew Moore. They're different players from that perspective. But I I, I, I think there are more positives, in my opinion, than there are negatives at this point. Yeah, no, that's a great point that you made, that Toronto C is a team that does like to play with possession um and keep the ball right and hopefully they don't have to do as much defending as we saw last season when their center backs were at times unfairly put into really compromising situations yes. right that's obviously not going to be the objective this season um and yeah i i and i i i've compared them myself i've seen the comparisons going around and yeah someone else in the chat said this that this is it's the Drew Moore vibes are very real when it comes to Matt Hedges. I know you said they're different players, but they're honestly really similar in a oh, lot, yes. in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, again, I've, I've said this in the past. I love this signing by Toronto FC and let's, let's be frank. Let's be real. The bar was really low <laughs> with this team when it came to their center backs, that any upgrade, any signing on the free agent market, that was, you know, within the top three, four or five center backs is going to be a massive upgrade on this back line. Now, the important question will be, who do they get to pair with Matt Hedges? You got to find a guy who balances him out really well. And it's got to be a really good center back. It can't be a depth signing. Like no offense to a guy like Shane O'Neill or, or Lucas, who are honestly very serviceable and good major league soccer players. You need better than that. To, to really take this team to the next level. You can even argue you probably need someone a little bit more mobile yes. and someone who's a little bit better with the ball at their feet uh, to play next to Matt Hedges. Uh, agreed. And I, and that's the that's the part that we have to wait to see, right? Is who, who is that person? Who is that player um, that's going to step in and, and take that role? Uh, and that sort of leads to the next part of this sort of positive vibes is more signings are coming, right? Like I know we're all you know, very anxious and, and want to see signings and Tom Broger tweets and your tweets coming out saying like confirmed player coming, <laughs> get picture with the shirt. Right. But right now it's low and, and things aren't leaking as they have in the past sometimes, um, which I get it for fans can be frustrating because you want to just, you want to, I mean, we just came off a year where we signed Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi and brought Richie Larea back and got Mark Anthony Kay. And it felt like everything was happening. Now it's it's very quiet. The club isn't leaking a lot, um, which in a lot of ways is actually a good thing. Um, but 
you know, in terms of those signings, they are coming. They are probably going to get a center back. They probably are looking at a left back and they're probably looking at a number nine and a, and a number one goalkeeper. Um, so, you know, whether those come in right in February or we have to wait until July, we'll see. Um, but I figure a decent amount of those will come in before February 25th. Uh, I, I, You're I'll say on it. I'll say even sooner than that, um, that Toronto FC will likely, I'd say, I'll, I'll even say they'll probably announce signings uh, relatively soon. Um, there's obviously one big name that's floating around, and that's Sean Johnson. And yeah, TFC should be liking their chances um, in that regard. Let's just put it that way. Uh, he's currently with the U.S. men's national team, I believe, and that camp is in is in California. Uh, Toronto FC's camp is also in California, different part, but close enough. Um, we'll see what happens there. But then beyond Sean Johnson, there are other holes that this team needs to fill. And yeah, I think we'll get we'll get some movement relatively soon. Fair enough. And, and look, I, I think from the J- Sean Johnson's perspective, now that it looks like NYCFC are going to fill their goalkeeping uh, spot with uh, the backup from uh, the Philadelphia Union, um, who has been rated really high. Um, it just when you're stuck behind the consistent goalkeeper of the year, you're not going to get a lot of uh, you're not going to get a lot of minutes. But, um, you know, Sean Johnson obviously makes a massive impact to this team if he signed um, and, and that would be massive. Do you, and, and I'm not really asking you for, are these signings coming from interleague or outside the league, but mm-hmm. do you think there has been more of a focus or a thought about bringing in to fill those holes, thinking about domestic signings, thinking about MLS in terms of a way to fill those holes instead of what we've kind of traditionally done, which is go overseas, find a player, bring them over. Um, it feels like the vibe is we're going to stay MLS for this sort of build and, and these sort of pieces are going to be domestic. Well, I think that that's a really important part and something that Toronto FC was missing a ton of last year was just having MLS experienced players, the guys who know the league, guys who understand the travel and, and everything that goes into being a major league soccer player. And they went out and they've addressed that uh, in a really big way, right? Now, I would say that they're exploring all options when it comes to signings within MLS and acquisitions, sorry, acquisitions within MLS, trades, whatever it is. Um, And then also outside the league. I mean, that's still on the table, right? This team still has international roster spots. We know that TFC's scouting department is extensive. Bob Bradley's connections are extensive in terms of the insight that he can get. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. It was really important for them to go out and, and address, I think, that need in terms of bringing in MLS veterans. But there still is a lot of a lot of additions they have to make. So that can come from a lot of different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and look, I, I think just to wrap up on, on this, I think with the signings that are going to come in, I, I really do believe they are going to actually be really impactful signings, right? Like they may not be bigger names that we've kind of been used to um sean johnson aside um but i think in a lot of ways that's kind of what tfc needs they need solid guys i don't think you necessarily need spectacular names right now i know some people are thinking about olivier Giroud. yeah that that just isn't happening at least at least as of right now look that can always change situations can always change you know, the board might realize, hey, it might be a great idea to give, you know, more than $6 million to a 36-year-old striker. Um, but um, I doubt it, but it could happen. Uh, but, you know, from that perspective, you know, I, I think it, it's good that the club is going to start getting these impact signings in that are a little lower key, but are probably going to be uh, solid players that are, are going to help the team overall. If is this a playoff team? I don't know yet. Let's see what they look like when they get built, and maybe we answer that question uh, uh, on the show before this season opener. Um, For sure. But uh, let's let's sort of 
positive vibes. It's been good. We've been talking about a lot of great stuff. Let's talk about something that um, has just riled you all up uh, in TFC land. And this is the apparently leaked 2023 TFC home kit. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. Um, are we able even to bring a picture up of it, Mike? Do you know? I didn't load one in, so okay. all good. Fortunately, all good. not. But you guys have seen the yeah. You've all seen it um, picture, I guess, going yeah, around. Yeah, and of course, there's a possibility that it's not the full shirt, but I can confirm that most likely that is not a third shirt because Toronto FC does not qualify. Um, at least, unless that's changed. I don't think they qualify to have a third shirt because they haven't sold enough shirts in the league. Usually that's the rule. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a certain threshold they have to hit in terms of jersey sales. Uh, maybe Insigne changed that. I know Bernadeschi, they weren't able to sell that shirt for most of the year, actually. Um, so we'll see, I guess, what yeah. happens there. Um, but I, let's not put a label on it, whether it's their home kit or a third kit just yet and also if we can just clarify like the photo going around the finished product is going to look much nicer than the photo that's going around so we have to we have to clarify that that is true (laughs) because that that's the that's the thing you buy at like you know sheridan mall um you know off like the guy in the cart that's in the middle of the aisle that has that sells football shirts. That's what that shirt is. Um, it is a replica, um, but it is not the it is not the finished sort of official product. So, Michael, before I get into comments, because we got a lot of them uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of what this shirt uh, <laughs> about the shirt. What are your thoughts on the shirt? What was your initial reaction when you saw it? I said this can't be real. Um, <laughs> it looked very very MLS, very busy, very, in a way, almost like men's league type of shirt, right? It, it didn't look like a, a finished product to me. And I, I still don't know if it's, if it's real, like I haven't, I haven't really bought in and believed it a hundred percent just yet. So yeah, it, it, it's not a nice shirt that picture at least right if once i see the finished product if that is the the template and concept that they're going with then i want to i want to see the finished product for me to see a a full evaluation because you clean that up you tweak one or two things and all of a sudden maybe that could be a really nice shirt but just that photo was yeah that was horrendous yeah yeah and obviously also to clarify that is not how the club wanted anything like that would to leak right obviously a a store rack with a janky hanger job on the shirt is not exactly uh the ideal way to show off a shirt like for me like look i i don't hate it actually i don't necessarily love it either i'm kind of indifferent um look like personally I get what a lot of people are saying here. And if there's a common theme through a lot, a lot of the comments uh, about it is like, it's not a proper shirt. It, it doesn't have enough red on it. Look, we had a shirt in between 2018, 19, uh, sorry, 1920. I'm sorry. That was all red and as boring as heck. Um, right. So, you know, can TFC strike the right balance in design and things like that? I don't know. But it kind of actually reminded me of like an old Chelsea had a kit back in the 90s that was like orange and gray. And it kind of reminded me of that almost like the, the, the stripes coming across in that kind of like orange kind of gray. And a lot of people actually now consider that like a really nice kit. I probably at the time everybody hated it. But, you know, sometimes kits have to take time and have to grow on you um, before before you start to like them. Um, but and uh, but, let's face it, Mike. What makes the 2017 kit so great is that we won the trouble. Won the championship exactly. Like if TFC were no, to miss the playoffs in that kit, do you think that people are talking about the kit in the same way? There's no chance, right? No. So maybe that could. Yeah, exactly. They go win a treble in that. They put another star on the shirt. Yeah, yeah. You know, if TFC go out and win a treble, I don't care what they would wear. <laughs> I, I don't care what they wear. They could. They could wear. I don't know. Inner Miami shirts for all I care. As long as they're out there wearing the treble, I don't care. Exactly. And and that's kind of the thing. But that said, 
obviously a lot of people are into kits for fashion um they want to buy them obviously and represent the team and the clear overall uh sentiment is burn it with fire uh, essentially <laughs> um I i'll read a few uh won't read them all but uh it says uh chuck spina says it's hideous and i want to burn it with fire um, oh our friend Tej Sohoda is uh, anything with Onyx is a slam. So maybe he, he enjoys it, right? Um, I'm not sure if that's really Onyx, though. Is it dark enough to be Onyx? Um, Again, you can't really tell by the picture, yeah. right? We got to see. Maybe it is Onyx if that's the kit that they drop. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, Jez uh, online says uh, the shirts, th this shirt's so bad you could walk into Supudu wearing it in the Montreal Trois. We just leave you alone because they would feel <laughs> sorry for you. Um, is a particular one I liked. Um, uh, Tom uh, Nightingale gives us it's dreadful. It looks like the last item off the rack in a sportswear store is closing down sale. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've we got actually. Yeah, we've got. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, literally, it probably was like, I, yeah, like, just like uh, the, the photo way, of it. The too, photo right? of you it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, uh, somebody just says, uh, hey, I love the look of the kit, but it's not red enough to be a home kit. Of course, we don't know if it's necessarily going to be a home kit. kit. Uh, Joseph, Josh Stefan five says this jersey is the reason Sean Johnson hasn't signed with us yet. <laughs> um, not quite sure if that's exactly the case, uh, but hey, that's too uh, exactly. Um, uh, TFC to go says, uh, at first glance, I cringe, but I feel like I'm forcing myself to like it now. I feel like it's what a lot of TFC fans are going to be doing. They're going to kind of like force themselves to like the shirt. I think uh, I kind of did that with the the white and gray kit, the 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 away kit we yeah. currently have, right? When I first saw it, I'm like, uh, you know, this could be really nice. Then I saw it in person. I'm like, hey, this is this is really nice. And then I saw Bernardeski and I'm like, all right, let's go. All in. <laughs> exactly. Looks great. <laughs> it looks great. If you if you got, you know, two European championship winners uh, in it, then any shirt can look uh, pretty good. Um, we just got a few more here. Um, let's just see here. All right. Um, uh, at MLS underscore Canada says, honestly, I'm trying to see what the random stretch of analogy uh, they will use to symbolize the hoops or stripes um, and, and the city of Toronto are circle of life, light and love that embraces our city and our club. Um, so, yes, absolutely. We're waiting for <laughs> the uh, infographic on uh, the shirt. Always get the infographic. That's great. Um, yeah. And just a lot of people are also like graying out the, the photo to just say like, they just want an onyx shirt which i'm going to i'm going to clarify also apparently onyx is or that kind of dark gray is not something we can use all the time because apparently it's a color that the red bulls actually have claim to ahead of us which i think is nuts but that's what i've heard i don't know if you've heard anything about that but that's that's my oh we got uh we got our guy eric g in the chat hashtag infographic bring it uh, we want the infographic. Just tell us what tell us what the little line on the inner line is supposed to represent, like the boroughs connecting or something like that. That'd be great. Um, just make a fake one. Just make a fake one with a whole bunch of nonsense. That be that means nothing. We should do let's that. See what happens. I would I would love to do that. Um, all right. So look, uh, in the end of the day, a lot of people do not like this photo of the potential shirt. There's actually a few people that do though. They're like, hey, you know what? Fair. I can live with this, right? Like, I, and, and let's see what the uh, actual the actual shirt is going to be. Like the actual game pitch shirt is going to be. Because I actually think if, if like you said, if we get the actual shirt and see it, I actually think this could be a, a pretty unique and kind of fun design, right? Again, not the greatest TFC shirt of all time, um, but to me, it's always going to be like that 2011, 2010, 2011 white away shirt with the gray collar. Uh, to me, that's always going to be a banger. But, um, you know, like is that your favorite TFC kit of all time. Ooh, uh, is it my favorite TFC kit of all time? No way. Uh, Onyx is pretty much my favorite TFC kit of all Onyx? time. Like that's, that's did, a, that's like, did, it's an all timer. Did you see that episode we had Justin Morrow on? Yes. And he told us that he hates the Onyx kit. I know. And he hated the Onyx kit as a player. I know. I know. His favorite kit was the, uh, the white and blue shorts. 
at the red. Somebody yeah, that's, that, 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 was that 2017? That would have been no 20. That would have been 2015, 16, I think. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that's a somebody... that's a that's an interesting kit. Yeah, interesting a lot choice. of a lot. I've heard that the other day. Somebody told me that that was also the bigger kit. They like the hint of blue in it, and mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, a lot of supporters don't like the hint of blue for a reason. Um, I am again. I, that's one of those ones where I'm either n- neither here nor there about it. Uh, to me, I like the I like the one with the maple leaves in it too, like the design within. Yeah, the, I think that was like 2013 or 14. That was nice. I actually also really liked the last home kit, like the red and black. Yeah, I, I didn't was, mind it. I thought it was. Sleek. I thought it was, was fine. Nice. A lot of people didn't like it. That though. one's gonna age really well. I feel like I agree. give that kit like five, six, seven years, and people would be like, "Oh, do you remember that the 2020, 2021 kit?" Yeah. I mean, the team were terrible in it, but like the actual <laughs> kit itself, like I thought it was, I thought it was great. I loved that kit. Um, yeah, same with the black socks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I kind of liked it. I know a lot of people didn't because they didn't like the design on it, and I, I guess I kind of get it. But no, I, that that one was for me was what I liked. Yeah, I I like the Onyx kit. I also like again that 2010, 2011 era. Um, I, the reason I remember it is Champions League, sort of the run to Champions mm-hmm. League to play at the Galaxy at the at the Rogers Center. Um, they wore those white kits with the gray collars away. I got too fat and couldn't fit in mine anymore because it was really <laughs> form fitting. Like, it, like if, if people know who know, know right? Like it was the old Adidas template. I think they had it for the 2010 World Cup, um, which was just like just cool you know you you had to you know when i was i was fitter then not so much anymore so if somebody's got like a uh an xl or double xl out there that's relatively clean i might take it off your hand if you're willing to parlay with me um so there you go so there's some uh the potential kit sale there um okay uh that is it for the show thanks so much everybody for tuning in this week i know we were a little later but we appreciate you tuning in um again all as always please subscribe uh to the new feeds uh search toronto till i die on youtube anywhere you get podcasts um tell your friends tell your neighbors we got the show on uh we're definitely going to be ramping up as we get closer to opening can you believe we're like a little over 30 what's the 25th so we're 32 days away we are 32 days away from the start of the the mls season which is insane to me um, but we should start beginning, uh, if you're a season ticket holder, you should start be getting news about the Apple subscription and what's going on with that. As far as I know, season ticket holders get a pass or a code or something of that nature. So that should be coming soon, which might be exciting. I'm actually kind of excited for the whip around show, to be honest. Um, I think that might be actually kind of neat, but we'll see how Apple does things. Anyway, I'm prolonging the exit of the show. Uh, yeah, please subscribe, please hit notifications, uh, for the podcast and for the live show. And on behalf of Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks Wait, for listening Mike. to oh, oh, go. You're so good. The outro was so perfect. I just had to interrupt and get one thing in. Someone left the comment. And I'm okay. sad we didn't mention it, actually. Wake in the red. Bless. Wake in the red. You, you guys know you, how special Wake in the red is to me personally. Um, no, I'm just confident that regardless of what happened with Vox Media, that the boys at, at WTR will still continue to create outstanding, fantastic con- or content, wherever that is, however that looks. Um, and I hope that everyone here watch- that watches this show on a weekly basis, everyone here that's tuning in, will continue to support those guys there that are, are have been pumping out fantastic content and honestly do it better than than anybody else in the TFC scene. So waking the red forever. Um keep waking the red alive as Jatinder says. That's all I gotta say. It's sad news, but I'm sure everything will work out for the best for those guys. Yeah, and it's uh I tweeted this that it, it's it's sad because it was one of the original sort of outlets that allowed fans to connect with the team when there wasn't a ton of media, obviously we know our John Molinaro's, we know our, you know, our Christian Jacks, Dwayne Rollins was on the scene early on, right? Like we know those needs and, and Waking the Red was one of those outlets that a lot of us as fans use to stay in touch with the team and find out what's happening when TFC wasn't what TFC kind of is now. Um, and in many ways, keeping a platform like WTR alive is critical for fandom, right? It's critical to have these outlets uh, to be able to tell those stories and tell people what's going on. 
um, and get voices out there. And WTR was obviously big for me with the TFC BIPOC, BIPOC coalition and, and getting myself started in this sort of podcasting slash doing these type of shows. So that was really big uh, sort of in my This was Wake in the Red um, Weekly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, the infancy of the show came from Waking the Red. So a lot of great things has come out of it. A lot of great things will continue to come out of it in the future. Um, and yeah, absolutely. When articles get out there, please read, please help those guys out. And, and we'll definitely obviously uh, keep them uh, keep them going as, as long as we can. All right. Um, so on behalf of Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to Toronto Till I Die. We'll see you next week. Peace. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.